Perfect. I read my notes. Thank you. You're welcome. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) We kick things off with a record start to 2020. Sea of green on Wall Street today. The S&P, the Dow, and NASDAQ all, all closing at all-time highs. Last month, inflation took a big jump. Government numbers show gas and food costs fueled that rise. Those two things we have to spend money on, right? The start of the new year also marks the start of federal tax changes in this country. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm your host, Molly Nelson, and I'm here with Rochelle Smith. She's a producer extraordinaire, and she's also kicking her Starbucks habit in 2020. No way. Can you believe it, guys? Yep. This is a, I'm going to, I'm going to tell some information about you here. So you stop me if it's too much. This is a one to two Starbucks a day habit you're on. Yeah. I know you go once a day and then there's an occasional afternoon run as well. Yep. Okay. So soon you're kicking the habit. How do you feel about it? I mean, I feel pretty good. Last year I kicked, or this year for 2019, I kicked Red Bull. I used to drink three or four Red Bulls a day. When's the last time you had a Red Red Bull? Oh, last New Year's Eve. Really? (laughs) Nice work. Yeah. So so you kick the habit and you're not kicking caffeine altogether. You're just making a commitment to your pocketbook with the Starbucks. And you also told me recently that you use a lot of disposable bottles and cups and you're kind of thinking you're going to kick kind of cut back on, on that kind of stuff as well. Yep. Sure. Okay. We've also got Lauren Merkel with us. He's a certified financial planner, a retirement planner. And in 2020, he is going to catch more fish. He tells us much more fish. What fish are you hoping to reel in the most of in 2020, Merkel? Northern and walleye. Okay, now, northern, do you eat them? Yes. We, we have the, okay. Fish, we have a fish fry every year. So, yes. in fact, we just had one this fall. So, we go ice fishing January, and then we freeze it, and we have a fish fry in the fall. Cannot, nothing wrong with fish that has been fried. With beer. With beer. Excellent. He's also got Sean... Hong Kong. <laughs> he says his name in this really, actually, this kind of neat German way, and I just tried to do it, and it did not come out right at all. Maybe Sean should do it. Sean, tell us your last name. This is Sean Honkamp. <laughs> Sean is a retirement planner and a CPA. He's also one of five boys. I think about this a lot. I've got four kids and five boys, raising five boys, your mother. I need to meet her sometime. I just imagine her being an amazing woman because she has raised a really bright and amazing son. So I imagine all five of you just being really smart, bright, talented, uh, talented men. But your 2020 resolution is to enjoy every sandwich. Explain. Enjoy every sandwich. I stole that from another podcast that I listened to. It was an interview with a guy that was, I think he had just recently hit 100. And his feedback was, or the question was, you know, what, what would you tell somebody? I mean, we always have that adage of, I wish I knew then what I know now. And his comment was to enjoy every sandwich. He says, you cannot believe how fast 100 years goes by. <laughs> and he said, we've got to soak it in. Um, we, we hear from our families every week that no, nothing's ever guaranteed, right? We're not guaranteed to hit retirement. We're not guaranteed to, you know, hit those future days what the, that, that we're saving for. Um, so he just tried to simplify it and it's kind of stuck with me to enjoy every sandwich, you know, enjoy every day, enjoy every holiday. We've got Christmas coming up. Uh, hopefully we're all looking forward to spending time with our families and, and enjoying this Christmas. His resolution guys kind of makes uh, fish and Starbucks look kind of lame. Just oh. throwing it out there. I mean, that was, that was beautiful, Sean. <laughs> that was good. I, I think that reminds me of a similar story I saw recently. It could be this guy's brother where he was 100, 103, whatever it was. And they were asking him the secret to a, a long life. And he said, Bush Light. He 
instead of have bush light every day. <laughs> <The> bush latte. <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I was going to say something else. We, we go for something very sweet and sincere you would. And, and very int- intelligent and intellectual to Bushlight. Yeah, well, whatever works. So this, as we talk about, you know, the new year and things that are happening, for some people, this is the year that they're going to retire. They've had it maybe earmarked on the calendar. They've circled it uh, in, in big stars and markers. Or maybe it's come a little earlier than they wanted it to because their health is forcing them into retirement. Or maybe even their employer has said, you know, uh, we we're going to give you a really great incentive package and, 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 and we want you to retire maybe sooner than you were thinking. So that's what we're going to focus on in today's episode is talking about if 2020 is your year, what things should you be thinking about? What things should you be doing and what things should you be talking to your retirement planner about. But first, we want to cover some headlines. A little bit of history for American Wall Street, an extraordinary moment. Of course, we knew this was coming. The announcement that Charles Schwab will take out Joe Riggett's Ameritrade, TD Ameritrade. Breaking news this morning, Fox Business confirming Charles Schwab will acquire Ameritrade for $26 billion. Charles Schwab is offering to issue, or is going to be issuing 1.0837 shares for every TD Ameritrade share that's out there. So Charles Schwab has acquired TD Ameritrade in a $26 billion all-stock deal. So we have the two guys sitting across from us here who keep a pulse on all things like this, all things finances, all things retirement planning. Lauren, you first, what's your, what's your takeaway from, from this deal? Well, fr- from a planner standpoint, from our standpoint, I think it's going to be a healthy thing. I think it's going to be a really good thing. There's a handful of custodians in this industry. And when I say custodian, simply from a relationship standpoint that we are talking about, we're talking about the custodian is the police around your account, meaning that they don't invest your money. They don't manage your money. They're not doing the research research and saying, today we're going to sell Apple, tomorrow we're going to buy Netflix. That's not what the custodian's job is to do. They simply provide you statements. They provide you online access, and they are how you know that your planner is not a Bernie Madoff. What Bernie Madoff did, the way he did it, is he was his own custodian. So your money was invested with Bernie Madoff. He had your money in his business accounts, and literally he used it for whatever he wanted to, and then he furnished fake statements. So the custodian is the police around your account. They provide the statements. Your planner never has your money, never has access to your money. His uh, entrusted with the custodian. So there's a handful of custodians. The benefit of TD Ameritrade, and we use TD Ameritrade, we have a relationship with them. They are seen to be on the forefront of technology, meaning the interface between the end user, the client, and TD Ameritrade is really a good experience. Uh, and, and their technology platform is one of the best that's available. Schwab, however, has a lot of process. They're a bigger company, bigger custodian. They have a lot more people, a lot more process that's built. So hopefully what I'm I'm hoping for is that this marriage gives us, the retirement planner, the best of both worlds. So we'll see what happens. It's going to take a while for everything to get sorted out. This is a brand new marriage, so we'll see, but that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, so Sean, what's your take on it? I would share those feelings. I think it's, I'm excited about it. I mean, it's a good thing. Any anytime we have merger and acquisition in in our you know in our lives and in, in certain industries, I think it's a good thing. I mean, there's a common mission between those two companies of being low cost, um, having having great service, and then the technology offering and platform that Lauren touched on. So, when you bring two great companies that are successful in those arenas, 
they're going to get even better, right? Because one of them is going to be better than the other one in certain um, components of their business. I know from Schwab, they, they touched on how they looked up to the technology platform and offering that TDA has. So they were excited for that uh, from that standpoint. And again, that's the relationship that we have. Um, they're one of the leaders. They have over 20, they, they will have over 24 million brokerage accounts going forward with over 5 trillion in assets. Um, so we feel confident. We feel great about the relationship we have with TDA. And hopefully one of the things that this does is it just inspires these other custodians to just get better. I think there's a lot of room for opportunity, a lot of room for improvement in the custodian space. And we've seen a lot of developments, not only from a technological standpoint, but from a from a customer service standpoint over the last five years. But I think with this marriage, it'll just make everybody step up and just continue to try to get better, which is a little bit different story than what you're hearing in the news today. Because what some people are talking about in the news today is this is this is going to hurt competition because we have these two big firms combining, and that is going to give consumers less options. But I think there's still a lot of custodial options out there in this marriage. I think hopefully will just inspire others to continue to get better. We did put a link to the press release that explains more about this and a link to the article that that we kind of used to get some of these main takeaways. It'll be in your show notes. So wherever you subscribe to podcasts, subscribe to Retiring Today, and then check out the show notes to learn more on the merger that we have been discussing. Excuse me, not merger. I think it's more of an acquirement, right? Would that be a better term than merger? Yes. Schwab bought TD Ameritrade. Hey, look, Schwab bought TD Ameritrade. That's the best way to say it. Our next headline involves... Rochelle, you say it. Mm. It's pot stock. <laughs> it's just kind of fun to say pot, pot stock. stocks. So pot stocks, though, didn't do well in 2019. Tanked. I think I saw some of the biggest pot stocks or some of the biggest companies lost up to 50% of their value in stocks. So what happens or what, what does the investor need to know from this one, guys? Those who follow the pot stock industry, what they're saying is that this is the 2008 of pot stocks. 2014 was, or 2013 was kind of seen as the 2008 of energy stocks. Uh, so every industry will go through a cycle in which they're, there's some, they're, they're down or they're up. Now, the pot stock industry is, is brand new. And so it's going to go through some some heartache. It's going to go through some headaches. Uh, really, the biggest the biggest obstacle that this industry faces is the the legal industry, right? The regulation, and uh, pot is becoming more deregulated uh, within each state. Illinois is the latest one to jump on board. So we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, it's like in an industry, it'll go up, it'll go down. Yeah, if the interest is there in in this type of industry, then um, I think the opportunity is going to be there. This, like Lawrence said, this industry is young; it's in its infancy stages. So opportunity is there, but the opportunity could be that it could go up, could go down, and some companies will survive, some some will not. So I think the concept there is just to invest in what you know. If this is something you have interest in, like anything, do the research. And make sure you're comfortable if that's something you want to pursue. I also read that maybe the market is right sizing. That's what some you know people who follow this closely are saying uh, that uh, that the market could be right sizing. And again, you talk about the regulations, Lauren. The the FDA is getting involved, good or bad or otherwise, and some new products coming onto the market could change things. Edibles. They're talking about beverages with the cannabis or the CBD in it. So I think, like you said, it's young and there's a lot 
more to happen with it before we know for sure exactly, you know, what will happen. What we see a lot of times with brand new industry is uh, investors, people who pay attention to whatever industry is new, they're excited about it. So they throw a bunch of money into it. And which means that the stocks that um, are in that particular industry uh, tend to get overvalued. Because there is a lot of money that goes into them, but they're not really developing a profit, right? They're not really, uh, their product is not to a, to a growth state yet. I mean, it's, they're not making money. So the, the stock gets over overvalued, and then eventually the right sizing takes place, right? They, they, they go back down. This is same thing that happened in, in 2000 with the tech stocks. Right, the internet was was really new. The tech stocks was the brand dot coms, new. yeah. Right, so everybody's dumping this money into this industry that they were really really excited about. The industry just didn't develop. It wasn't developed to that point yet. And what would be best, guys, is if any of us in this room knew which one of these companies was going to merge, like Google. So there's all these dot coms that tanked, but then one rises to the top. Now, had we have known which one and invested in it. Who knows out of all these, and I don't even, several, let's just say several pot stocks, which one's going to be the one to really emerge? Anybody got a crystal ball? No? Nothing? Well, that's, that's no? the exciting part Shoot. about these industries, and that's why so much money is driven to these, these industries, because everybody wants the, the one right. that's going to make them wealthy beyond their wildest dreams. So from an investor standpoint, just be careful. Uh, be diversified. There's ways that you can invest in the pot stock industry and not have to put all of your eggs in one basket. Uh, there's a lot of pot ETFs out there, uh, and there's becoming more of them. So that's a way that you can diversify amongst many different pot stocks because most of the pot stocks that are available right now probably won't be in existence seven years from now. Okay, so making millions in pot stocks, that's maybe not going to happen to a lot of people. You know what's going to happen to almost everyone who's probably listening to the, this podcast if they haven't already done it already? They're going to retire. So if you have retired, congratulations. I think we'll still have some great stuff coming up for you about how you could maybe, you know, boost the current retirement that you have. But if you haven't retired yet and maybe 2020 is your year or you're looking at retirement or maybe you're trying to figure out what is my year? What do I need to have in place before I can say adios to the job and hello to retirement? So let's talk about some of the things that you need to think about if this is the year you're thinking about retiring. And unfortunately, when you retire, you don't get to stop thinking about income. I mean, you think about it in a different way, Lauren. You don't get a paycheck every two weeks or every month like you're used to, but you've got to think now about how to draw from from the stuff that you've worked so hard to accumulate. You have to think of um, income in a different way. You have to think about it in a, in a little bit different way, but it's still a paycheck. I mean, I mean, you've already worked for it though, right? This is this is money you've already worked for, and it has been working for you over the last thirty to forty years. And now it's your time to turn on that income from uh, an array of different resources. Hopefully, if you've uh, done your diligence on saving over the years, you you're, you probably have Social Security. You might have a pension. You have a, a variety of different investment options. So now it's a matter of delivering the income that you need to maintain the lifestyle. That that you want, that you've grown accustomed to, not only for the first 10 years in retirement, but hopefully for 20, maybe even 30 years in retirement. So that's a daunting task. When you think about never working again, never making an earned dollar ever again, but still maintaining that same lifestyle that you've grown accustomed to for the next three decades. And that's the challenge of the income planning piece. When we talk about retirement, uh, oftentimes the question that we get, Sean, you can probably attest to this, People ask us all the time, how much money do we need to retire? 
Well, really what they're asking us is what is it going to take for us to live the life that we want to live and never have to work again? And, and the easiest way for them to, to ask that type of broad question is how much money do we need? Because you read these articles and say, you have to have at least a million dollars. Or I read one the other, the other day that said, I have to have at least $2 million to be able to retire. Well, that's not necessarily true. So what people are talking about, what they're looking for, even if they don't really know how to vocalize it, is what's my retirement plan? How, how am I going to do this? How am I going to weed through the options of Medicare and, and the 81 different options you have with Social Security? And how am I going to make sure that I have confidence that I'll be able to do everything I want to do from now till the end of time? And Sean, do you find that people, you know, what's the barrier? So is it this number that they think they have to have? Or do they sometimes maybe underestimate how much it's going to cost them to retire? Or is it health care? I mean, what kind of prevents people from, from really pulling the trigger and making this the year? Yeah, we see a lot of different things that, you know, everybody's situation is unique. So there are different questions and uncertainties that we're all facing. Um, just this week we had where the, the whole thing was, I don't know what I'll do with my day. So it wasn't financial related. It wasn't healthcare related. So that's one of them. But to Lauren's point, the whole question of how much, that's a really tough question to answer, right? There is no one answer. There's no one dollar amount that is the answer for anybody. So that's where, that's where we, the arena that we play in is really about, it comes back to the plan, right? How much monthly or what level of monthly expenses do you want to have to fund your lifestyle? That's a big factor to how much money we need. Um, but the healthcare is a big one, right? People are concerned about that. Um, there's the uncertainty, the, the open market. They're just not sure how much uh, it's going to cost them on a monthly basis to have that health insurance coverage that everybody wants. And, and Molly, you made the comment in your opening on this of, you know, t- you don't stop thinking about income. I think it's the opposite. People start thinking about income even more, right? Because there's a little more certainty when you know exactly how much is going into your checking account every other Friday when you put your 40 hours in every week. But now they come to retirement and they're going, all right, I need an income plan. Where is it going to come from? How much is it going to be? You know, what are the, what are the different tax um, components of those sources of income? And then the uncertainty of, well, how long is that going to last? I mean, retirement today is different than what it has been. A lot of people, they just want to know that they can retire. And we, we see this uh, probably at least every month. We, we write this plan. We've had this plan in place. We're implementing this plan for a couple of years and then we get to a couple months prior to when two years ago they told us they were adamant they were wanted to retire at age 64 and now we're just a couple months before 64 and it's starting to get really real and they've known now for a couple of years since we've had the plan engaged that they can successfully retire and do everything they wanted to do for the rest of their life everything works out but they get there and they're like i don't know what i would do if i wasn't going to work I don't know what my activity plan would look like. I don't think I can fill up seven days a week, 24 hours a day with, with activities outside of work. So they decide they don't want to retire at 64. But you know what? The cool part and the powerful part about that is they know that they can if they want to. So when, And I think par- part of working, half the battle of working is just thinking you have to go to work. Right? You don't have that, the option you don't have the control, and the grass is always greener. So when you think you have to drive to work Monday morning, it's it's a different mentality than when you know you're driving to work Monday morning because you want to. You have that choice. And sometimes people just want that choice. And once they realize they have that choice, well, now driving to, to work Monday morning isn't all that bad because they get to do that. right? They, they don't have to, but they get to. And that's a different different mentality. 
Yeah, and I think that also speaks to the power of the plan and how it can sort of lift that anxiety about retirement altogether because you guys, you write it down for people and show them, you know, this is how we're going to get you to 100 or, or, or 90 or, or, you know, again, based on a lot of other factors. And I, I got to imagine, Sean, when you help people write that out, you can just see them go, oh, that's how it's going to work out. Yeah, there is a lot of comfort that's provided. I mean, they, they still want to live their life. And, and sometimes they, they have a hard time realizing that, you know, geez, we have done all the right things for so long. And, and it's it's that mental grip of we are in the right place and we can do this. And I think another a, a big obstacle they face that I hear frequently is they've got to flip themselves from being that saver to that spender. And sometimes that's challenging, right? I mean, we, we are who we are. I mean, I, I I grew up on a dairy farm in eastern Iowa, and there are times where, you know, we, we had to wait for that next paycheck before we could go, you know, take on certain expenses, right? And I know I've got part of that in me today. And the people that have saved well and have saved more than maybe the average household, they have that tough transition of, of saying, all right, now I can spend, right? And we show them their, these illustrations and, and projections where maybe they know that, all right, you're, gonna, you're going to have to start spending or pulling some money out of your savings, but that's exactly why we saved it for the last 40 years. And that's okay. Rochelle, when you first started driving, you were 16. Do you remember what you paid for a gallon of gas? Um, this wasn't that long ago for Rochelle, but it's just a, it's an exercise. Stay with me. I feel, I remember gas being like $1.58. Okay. 99 cents a gallon when I first started filling up many, many moons ago. You guys are way older than me. <laughs> <laughs> so what was gas back then, Merkel? Like a quarter or something? Molly thought that was a joke. <laughs> we're fortunate. Yeah, they we're, aren't that much older than me, but we're that much wiser. Yeah, yeah. So it was like maybe ninety-five cents. Can you guys remember I, being at ninety? I, I can chime in a quick story. A part-time <laughs> job when I was at you and I up in Cedar Falls, I worked at this place called the Music Station on First Street. They were known for the lowest gas, lowest beer, lowest cheapest milk in town. <laughs> they would have these gas drives on a certain day. Where I recall, there were uh, each hour they would drop it. There were times when we were selling it for 79 cents, 69 cents. We got, 69. There was, there was an hour we were selling it for 29 cents a gallon. What? Back in the, in the 30s. Back in the, late, <laughs> right? back in the late 90s. That would have been the 90s, right? 29 late, cents a gallon. Late. Stop it. For about an hour, but we, we got in trouble because there was wow. a lot of traffic oh, backing yeah. up on the, on the, high, on the street. Bet. No, I was, just, I was just thinking about my, I, when I started driving, I don't remember what it was. I mean, that was so long ago. I don't remember. But the, <laughs> the, the least expensive gallon of gas that I've ever bought that I remember was 68 cents, and it was in Georgia. So I, my brother and I were on a road trip, and uh, 68 cents, which isn't anywhere close to 29 cents. That's phenomenal. Wow. Interesting. So today it's what? I haven't filled up. I admittedly haven't. I got gas this weekend for $2.28. Okay. All right. So clearly what 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 force is at play here guys everyone all together inflation, inflation. the silent assassin thank you thank you next time we should try to do that more melodic maybe we'll get we've got some singers and and they can come they're in just not in this room they're not no they're not wait a second well, Rochelle. Now. Wait, i was gonna say i could sing. Rochelle has some tunes you can sing no not really i like to sing i'm okay I, I know anyways i was gonna say step up to the mic yes I was, I, we can do backup <laughs> over here on this side. i didn't make the karaoke night but i i will one of these days and you guys can then judge so part of writing that income plan, Lauren, it has to include inflation because if couples say, you know, or families, individuals say, you know, we're going to live on, I'm just going to throw it over $4,000 a month. That's great. But that $4,000 has to increase uh, over, over what could be 30 years of retirement. Yeah. Because people don't want to go backwards. People want to maintain the same standard of lifestyle. Uh, when people retire, they don't want to be 
you know, eating ramen noodles and, and baked beans unless they really like ramen noodles and baked beans, right? They, they want to continue on with the, the lifestyle that they've grown accustomed to. And if they don't plan for inflation, that is not going to allow them to maintain that type of lifestyle. Because we, we know that 10 years from now, what it costs us to live the lifestyle we're living today is going to cost us significantly more. Uh, based on just 3, 3% inflation, a $500,000 portfolio will only equate to a, a purchasing power of about $350,000 10 years from now. So we, we are our portfolio, our wealth, our spending power is being eroded every single year by that silent assassin. And that's why it has to be planned for because it's, it's not as a, an explicit risk as this next recession. People are aware of what recessions do to their portfolio and their spending ability. But the, the silent assassin inflation just kind of creeps up on us. You know, we don't really notice it until we wake up one day and we realize we're no longer paying 29 cents for a gallon of gas. We're paying $2.29, $2. right? So it's something that has to be planned for. Otherwise, you're going to have a big surprise 10, 15 years into retirement. Okay. Yeah, it, it does catch them off guard. I mean, just talking with the family in the last week, they're, they're projecting about that 4000 just like you said. They're, they've got about eight more years to work. And that first year of retirement, that 4000 was in the ballpark of 4700 a month. So even thinking about retirement, it's going, going to cost them a lot more than what they're spending today. Yeah, so with that couple, I mean, they're, they're living on $4,000 a month now. Just, so what did you say, seven, eight years? Yeah. Yeah, so seven years later, they're going to need an, an extra $700 a month just to do what they're doing right now. Yeah. And what they're looking at, which is what all retirees are looking at, is they're not going to have a job then. So they're looking at it saying, we have to produce $700 a month of more income just to do what we're trying to do now, and we are going to be retired. And that is the necessity of the planning, because not only does the planning figure out how to get that accomplished year over year over year over year, but then when they can see that, right, when they can see it, this is how it's going to work. Everything's going to be okay. That's what affords them the confidence to say, okay, let's retire. Let's never make another dollar again, and we can still live the life that we've always wanted to. Okay, so we're talking about if 2020 is the year you plan to retire, what are the things you should be thinking about? What are the things you should be talking to your retirement planner about? So inflation, we check that off the list. The next thing, now when I mention this subject, Rochelle, you know this. Lauren gets so excited. Oh, uh, I've never, I don't know. People in my social circle don't get this excited about taxes. My but neighbor. I'm not going to let Lauren smile about taxes. I'm actually going to let Sean oh, because. I, nope, I'm, Sean yep. is the CPA. Sean so is the certified public accountant in the room. And I think for a guy who's lived taxes for several years now, does retirement planning. This is really his area, Markle. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. They're both going to talk about this. But before you can retire, you, you, can't, you can't put taxes aside because unfortunately, when you retire, you still pay taxes. Right. For a lot of our money, we, we still have Uncle Sam as that partner. And, and I think everybody here at Merkel Retirement Planning just loves talking about taxes. We, we can't do it enough. Um, <laughs> we, and, and well, we do it a lot here yeah, in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and we love it because our clients love it so much. Because what the clients see is a direct impact, positive impact on their spendable income. So whatever makes their clients happy makes us happy. <laughs> That's good. That is a good way to think. And I always just give them a hard time about that. Tax planning is actually exciting because the goal is to obviously pay your obligation and, and I heard a, a podcast where they said it this way, but no gratuities. And so the more money that you can put in clients' pockets or the more tax efficient you can be, obviously, that has to be written into the plan. And I, and I think the biggest thing is tax diversification, right? I mean, we've we've kind of been ingrained and we grow up and we start saving in our 20s. And, and the whole thing is, con the whole concept is deferral, right? Try to make the current year 
lower your tax liability as much as possible. And, and that works, but I think as you get closer, further down the line, you get closer to retirement, you think about this windfall is coming. Now that every dollar we've saved, and it's grown for years and years, now we are going to have this significant tax liability coming our way, where every dollar we draw out in retirement is going to be subject to tax. So the sooner we can start diversifying within that bucket, if you think about it, I mean, you're going to have to settle up with Uncle Sam, right? So you've got a bill, a liability coming due. Would you rather pay that bill in the phase of life where you're in the earnings phase and still accumulating and making money? Or would you rather have that bill when you're in distribution phase and want to have more money to spend, right? There's a fine mix. There's no right answer for everybody. But again, the, the, the whole premise behind that is to plan for it and know what that's going to look like be aware of what this tax liability is going to be for you in the future. Well, also the tax environment that we're in will influence what your decisions are as well. If we, if, if we rewind the clock and this is the eighties and our top marginal tax bracket is over 70%, well, it might make sense to defer that tax bill to a later time. And the people who did that in the seventies where, or in the eighties where they're not paying 50, 60, 70% on those dollars, they did defer it. And now they can take it out and they can pay 12, 22%. That was a good deal. But right now, in this environment, we have the choice to pay taxes on our retirement savings at the level of 12%, maybe 22%. Heck, even the highest tax bracket today is 37%. The highest tax bracket we've ever seen in this country is 92%. And again, in the back, back in the 80s, it was over 70%. So we have the opportunity to buy out Uncle Sam on our retirement di- dollars today, perhaps the least expensive than what we'll ever have again in our lifetime. And we also get that growth opportunity tax-free. So every dollar that's in the tax-free accounts like the Roth grows tax-free forever. We never have to pay taxes on it again. We pass away. We don't use the money. We pass it on to our kids and they don't have to pay taxes on it either. So the tax environment you're in will also impact the decisions that you make from a tax planning standpoint. As we continue the conversation about 2020 being the year Sometimes it's good to look at, you know, you want to look at where you're going. Can I retire? Can I go forward? But sometimes you have to know where you are right at the moment. And so knowing the current investments you have, Lauren, and not only, you know, what are they, where are they going, knowing the fees you're paying, feeling comfortable with that is kind of a big part of getting you kind of moving forward. Yeah, you said it really well. To know how to get to where you want to be, first you need to understand where are you at right now. And that's why before we ever really engage with a client relationship, we always start with an assessment of here's where you are. Here's the things you're doing really well from an investment standpoint. Do you have, are you paying high fees? Are you paying low fees? Are you paying reasonable fees? How much risk are you taking in your overall portfolio? Everybody, everybody's so fearful of this next recession. And most people are fearful of this next recession from an investment portfolio standpoint because they have no idea how much risk they're really taking. They just remember what happened the last time we went through the the Great Recession and they lost 50% of their life savings. And they do not want to relive that again. So part part of eliminating or mitigating that fear of this next recession is first just understanding if you're invested the way you're invested today. And next year we have the recession, which by the way, I don't think we will, but let's just say we do. We have the recession next year. Would you lose 30%? Would you lose 50%? Would you lose 15%? Whatever the outcome of that assessment is, then how does it impact the rest of your retirement? Would it make you postpone your retirement? Would it make you come out of your retirement? Those are all questions that need to be answered. And the answers to those questions now gives you power. 
It gives you the ability to make adjustments if you need to make adjustments so you don't have to relive another 2008, this time so much closer or even into retirement. And it also gives you confidence because if the outcome of the assessment is positive in your favor, meaning you're comfortable with the amount of risk that you're taking, meaning that it's not going to make you change your retirement, postpone your retirement. Well, now you can feel really good about the position you're in and not have to fear what's going to happen inevitably when this next recession takes place. And Lauren, I, something I really enjoy as we meet with our families is quantifying that exposure. I mean, I had, I had five or six years of being a financial advisor prior to joining Merkel Retirement Planning. And in my time, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the, the process that we do here. I had never shown and worked with my families to show them, okay, here's how you're invested today. And here's what that means when this market correction does happen. And that is part of our process where we grow up and we invest accordingly from a aggressive, moderate, conservative standpoint. And, and the words, it's, it's just something that we do. And it works when we're in that accumulation phase. Now that we're closer to retirement, we've got to look at it in a different way. And as part of our process, we show them and say, all right, your million dollar portfolio, if we have a 2008 type correction, that means $200,000 potential exposure to you or $400,000 exposure to you. And now it, it just provides more transparency to them. And it puts us in a position now where we can evaluate our portfolio, evaluate our investment strategy, and, and just rein it in a little bit if we're at the point where we don't have to take that level of exposure in order to achieve our retirement goals. Um, so I actually saw an article this morning about um, on CNN Business, and it said, according to Bank of America, recession is unlikely for 2020. I think the consensus is is going that way. I mm -hmm. mean, uh, 12 months earlier, people, a lot of people are saying 2020 is going to be the year, maybe yep. even towards the end of 2019. But all indications say that the recession will be uh, delayed. This strong economy will be prolonged. Now, the market is different than recessions, by the way. So the recession has to do with the economy. The market has to, you know, corrections, bear markets, that's all, that all has to do with the stock market. So what we anticipate taking place in 2020 from a market standpoint is, is we're going to see more volatility. I mean, in 2019, we saw a pretty much straight up market. There were a couple dips along the way, but it pretty much went, went the right direction for investors. 2020 will probably remin be reminiscent of what we saw in 2018, where we saw a lot more volatility. Now, that does not mean that we're going to have a recession. That doesn't even mean we're going to have a bear market, which means that the S&P 500 would be down more than 20%. We might see a correction or two, like we did in 2018. We saw two corrections, which means the S&P 500 was down somewhere between 10 to 20% at any given time. But yeah, I, I think the, the indications are the recession will not be in 2020, maybe 2021, maybe even longer. But we do know the prognosticators will predict it in 20 in case it happens. <laughs> That's That's right. Right. And then when it doesn't, they will predict it for 21. <laughs> and then they can raise their hand and say, <laughs> well, I predicted that. I got it right. I was the one. <laughs> As you look forward to retirement, whether this is the year or, you know, in the next few years, there's some things you kind of need to get in place as far as, all, we talk about your investments, your assets, your plan. And do you guys find that when you kind of meet with a family, maybe they're, you know, 55, 60, have they, has it been a while since they've gone back and revisited some of those accounts that they set up when they first maybe started working or first had children um, as far as like getting things titled, beneficiaries, things like that? What, what we usually find is once people get within five years of retiring, 
is they, they kind of revisit what it is that they have from an investment standpoint. And what they find is they have this junk drawer full of investments, which makes, which makes very logical sense. Uh, almost everybody ends up in this situation because you, as you go through the accumulation years, you go through life, you raise kids, you get kids out of the house, you pay off the house. I mean, you're living all this stuff. And at the same time, you're trying to put some money away for retirement. And so your focus, your attention is on all of these other things outside of the retirement realm, except for saving. And you end up with some money here and you end up with some money here and you end up with this type of portfolio. Um, so part of the planning process of transitioning from the pre-retirement years to the retirement years is really assessing where all these different moving pieces are and how they're going to come together for the sole purpose of propelling you to retirement and then through retirement. And the legacy piece is no different. You know, the, the healthcare directives, the financial power of attorney, the health healthcare power of attorney, the, do you need a will? Do you need to update your will? Do you need a trust? to help transition assets to the next generation uh, and bypassing probate. You know, all of these different things is a part of that assessment in analytics to determine, are you in the best position possible to get yourself to and through retirement the way that you want to? Yeah, it's about order and organization, right? People want to know that they're, uh, that they, they feel better when things are consolidated. Um, I, I met with an individual in the last week, and, and in the first 10 minutes of the meeting, he just kind of says, I'm just a mess. I have stuff everywhere. I, just I feel need. like that every day. He should not feel bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I just need help. And it really wasn't that bad, but that's the feeling he had when he has you know, a couple different custodians in play and accounts at different places. And uh, some of it feels like they just don't have as much saved either when they say, see a couple or a handful of smaller balances. So he may have felt like he's a mess, but, it, you know, that's something that, you know, we can certainly help with. And, and, and another thing too, I mean, we, we talked earlier about enjoying every sandwich. I mean, the, the biggest trigger for people to do that first will is when they take that first uh, flight or vacation after having their first child, right? So we will commonly meet with people that, yeah, we have a will, it was 26 years ago, right? right? And we haven't updated it, you know, since then. So, uh, part of the conversation, part of the planning we do is just to, to refresh that and talk about that and make sure it is going back to what I said. It's in order and things are organized. Okay, so if this is the year that you're planning to retire, we've got a few takeaways from today's discussion for you, and a great place to start, Lauren, is to just kind of evaluate where you're at. First, what you want to do is evaluate where you are. You know. Sean just mentioned organization. So a lot of people do feel disorganized. And the way to feel organized is to assess all the different moving pieces that you have. But also, for, not from a non-financial standpoint, assess what you want your retirement to look like. What would your activity plan look like when you have all this time, this luxury, this freedom of time? What are you going to do with it to make sure that you have the most fulfilling, purposeful life going forward? And then you can figure out from there, from a financial standpoint of how you are going to be able to afford it. And then from there, you can organize the different investment resources that you have. Put a plan in place to make sure that you're maximizing all the resources you've worked a lifetime to save. And then make sure that you have the most fulfillment life going forward. And Sean, you find that no two plans are the same and plans can change. Uh, absolutely. I mean, Failing to plan is planning to fail, right? I mean, we, we have a defined process in place that we use, but when it comes to meeting within a, a family, it's very much customized to their situation. Everybody is different, all right? The amount of money they've saved, you know, their health conditions, their life expectancy, their retirement goals and dreams are specific to them. So our plans do get very much customized to them. And it's not a set it and forget it, right? We do a lot of heavy lifting in the first, you know, a few months after meeting people and in that first year, 
Um, but then every time we get together, we're reviewing it. The plan becomes a little more solidified as life goes on. Um, you have an opportunity to think more about your dreams and goals and what you want that plan to look like. Sean, it's been so fun having you on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. You're great. You're a wealth of knowledge and, and, and a great asset to the Merkle Retirement Planning team. Uh, a good place for some more knowledge is MerkelePlan.com. And one document I want to tell you about is five things you need to know before you retire. That's a great asset or a great a great piece of information that's on MerkelePlan.com. Also, we've got a YouTube channel. What is it, Merkel? YouTube.com. Merkel Retirement Planning. <laughs> Why is that so funny? Go to YouTube.com. I caught you off guard because you, you kind of Type in Merkel Retirement Merkel. Planning. Well, I thought you gave up on me doing that a long time ago. I, I, just, <laughs> I just like to keep them sort of guessing. After all these years, it's just it's just fun. Merkel Retirement Planning is our YouTube channel. There's video there. So if you like to consume you know, knowledge that way, you can see kind of what our process looks like. And you can see some numbers and graphs and things like that on our YouTube channel. Um, also this podcast, we're going to keep doing it because there's a lot more to talk about when it comes to guiding you to and through retirement. It's called retiring today. And we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Our next headline involves, Rochelle, you say it. Mm. It's pot stock. <laughs> it's just kind of fun to say. Pot, pot stock. stocks. Hong pot Kong. stocks. So, you know, the pot stocks, hot, right? <laughs> it's a very similar experience. To I mean, I mean f- from from uh, from saying it, verbalizing it. Pot stock, Hong Kong, pot stock. Got it. Very, it's it, both of them are fun words to say. Got purely, it. A, purely a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs>